0: I don't know about you,
1: but I am just... My brain is fried. I barely remember what movies are. Yeah, I had
2: to go back. I was almost going to propose that we push back a week because we haven't seen anything, right? And then I'm like, no, wait, we actually saw a lot.
1: Yeah, at least two or three in common, right?
2: Right. There there were several to talk about.
1: Oh, good. Now, uh, yeah. Are you going to catch up on raya or do you not no,
2: care i okay. don't care <laughs> okay about that what i almost went to was that other one maybe it's about chaos
1: uh chaos walking
2: yeah that looks real bad and like sure something does. i would enjoy yeah um but i didn't go i i what i need to do is go more because lately i've really embraced this whole being at home all the time thing about a year after everybody else <laughs> And yeah. so I'm kind of like if I don't have three destinations and two of them are mandatory, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna leave the house. But then I get the sense of ennui I and I'm and I'm just really unhappy. And I think that I need to do the things I can do, like go to the movies. Sure. And today in my email I got an offer. They had a suggestion for me. They said, Come see Tom and Jerry in your own <laughs> private theater. Wow. And I couldn't imagine a more depressing idea. I know. Wow. Going and watching Tom and Jerry alone. Alone for a hundred bucks. For a hundred dollars.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess part of the invitation is that you you can bring, what, 20 people?
2: I guess so, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs>
1: no. And if you know 20 people who want to see Tom and Jerry together, then right. you're living a life that I... Don't understand. I mean, I
2: don't know for a kid's birthday, maybe. Not that it's yeah, suppose, good for sure. anybody, but
1: yeah. I mean, Chloe Grace Moretz and Rob Delaney. I would watch them for less than a hundred dollars in a movie. Yeah, I wouldn't probably want to be the only person in a theater watching them. Yeah, I don't know why that movie has to exist now. I don't know who's clamoring for that, but um
2: it didn't you seem the... like it was that great.
1: The subplot is that Colin Jost is playing a rich, famous guy whose who's wedding is like the wedding of the year at this hotel. And so everything has to go perfect. And that's when Tom and Jerry start running amok.
2: Oh, <laughs> I bet they throw a few wrenches into his plans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, so uh, I probably yeah. won't do that. So then I will at some point this evening I'll just give a capsule review of Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um so what have we both seen? We've both seen Minari and we've uh-huh. both seen I Care a Lot.
2: I Care a Lot.
1: Did you happen to bother with pr- The Professor and the Madman?
2: I didn't. Okay, I that's didn't fine. I didn't see that. So but I'll... I I did watch Billy Holiday though, so I'll give a quick update oh, on Oh, right.
1: That. Okay. Uh great. So where do we start?
2: We start Ooh. With Minari, right?
1: Sure. That's probably going back the furthest. Yeah. Minari, Um,
2: 2020 American Drama Film. Written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. And Minari is one of these titles that I've been hearing about all year. And the people who love it just love it. And finally it's available for the have-nots. And I went to a new cineplex to Mm. see it. And I joined their club just because I wanted to see Minari. Wow! And funny. and what what a what a great movie to be the reason for joining a new Cineplex club. Absolutely. So the Korean American Yi family is moving to this property in rural Arkansas, and you can see from the get go that the mother of the family is not very happy. She her name is Monica, played by Han Yi Ri. And she's married to Jacob Yee, played by Stephen Yun. And Jacob, what does he embody? Kind of 1950s, um, every man, hmm. though it's the 80s. Yeah. And we get the idea that maybe Monica is used to a higher way of life, uh, having some more money, some more opportunity. And she's not so pleased that they've moved their two young children out. Um, Alan Kim plays David, and Noelle Kate Cho plays Anne. Uh, But Jacob has this idea that he's going to start a farm and he is going to grow the best Korean produce to sell to Korean grocers and restaurants, and they are going to be able to carve out a life for themselves here. They can afford things. And this was just a very human drama that to me was quite universal and how specific it was. The grandmother comes to help, played by Yoon Yoo Jung, who plays Soon Ja, and she is not a normal grandmother. She's a cool grandmother. <laughs> right. And this self-proclaimed. Uh, self-proclaimed cool grandmother, much to the consternation of David, but he grows in his love of grandma. And in the movie, we see the family try to integrate and to meet those kinds of challenges, but mostly it's a family drama about um, t- trying to grow something new, the American dream through the eyes of immigrants, the importance of family and the legacy that uh, past generations pass on to future ones. Um, yeah, and I just loved it. So, so Josh, what did you think of Minari?
1: Yeah, I really loved it too. It's, uh, it's just a, it's warm and cozy. It's kind of upsetting at times. It's kind of beautiful at times. It's really great um like you say it's a really great movie that is a kind of an empathy movie and a and a, and a personal story an immigrant story but it's also especially in the way it portrays uh young childhood how, how a young kid experiences the difficult times of a family uh and and relating to people within the family and outside the family i thought it was very universal and very relatable uh alan ask him that david is wonderful he's a very lovable kid and um i think clearly the the perspective character seemed like the writer director was identifying mostly with uh with that character Mm -hmm. and um yeah i thought it was just lovely i mean it's again it's it's all it's there's so many things to talk about it's kind of all over the place and yet it's also kind of just one, one path through the whole crazy experience. But, um, it's been so long since I saw it. That's why I'm being so vague. I'm trying, I'm recalling a million images and feelings. Uh, but I, I really, I I just had a wonderful time watching it. Now, an interesting aspect of it, Dan, for, for you and for me, I don't know about for you, but for me, most of the Korean immigrants I've known because I come out of the, uh, evangelical church world have been devoutly Mm -hmm. religious people. Um, And this movie has a very interesting take on the interaction between Korean immigrants and white evangelical Christians or whatever kind of Christians they're encountering in Alabama, Um, which I found fascinating because, again, all the Korean, most of the Korean folks I've known personally have been devout evangelicals or charismatics. And uh, seeing this family kind of everybody has their own take on religion when they encounter it. And they seem to bring some sort of a faith tradition with them it's not specific though so i don't know i found that aspect of it uh intriguing Uh, will patton plays a farmhand who helps jacob and he is uh, a lunatic (laughs) who uh, wants to pray over everything that they do and cast demons out of their bedroom and uh, all sorts of stuff and I don't know how much of it was specific to the experience of the filmmaker and how much of it was maybe this is what it seems like from David's perspective with all these Looney Tunes people, mm-hmm. white people they meet. But I found that at least interesting.
2: Yeah, I could identify with David as a kid of the 80s. <laughs> There's something mm-hmm. universal about watching that 80s experience. When I kind of loved that the film doesn't go into woke territory of watching, oh, this poor immigrant family is going to have challenges in Red, Arkansas. On um, The people mm-hmm. on the whole appear to be mostly welcoming to them. They're either uh, cared for or irrelevant to the other people. And it really focuses on this one family and their experience. Their, their struggle has to do with the land and with their interpersonal battles and not really that they're fish out of water.
1: Yeah. And again, I don't have a lot of touch points for this. So I don't know if this is a if this is like a a weird and specific experience uh, that this family, you know, that this family is a stand in for the director's experience. Or if this is a common thing, did a lot of Koreans attempt to plant farms in the 80s in the South? Uh, I don't really need to know that because I appreciated the movie for what it is. But I, I wonder about that
2: yeah i didn't do further research into that so when you figure that out all right yeah email me first and we'll get it on the docket for a future episode all right and we'll let everybody know
1: i'm sure the letters will par in now that we've, uh, <laughs> yes put it out there yes uh great so i think that's a warm recommend from both of us
2: yes it was one of my favorites of the year for sure
1: uh Absolutely. And for such a weird year coming out of such a weird season, uh, they sure are piling up here at the beginning of 2021, although most of them are catch up 2020 movies. Sure. Sometimes 2019 movies. Should I, should we, maybe we can like pepper in some of these little side discussions. Maybe I'll just sure. get Professor and the Madman out of the way mm-hmm. uh, as I call it up on my screen. So, the Professor and the Madman, I messaged you when I found this movie. And I said, you know, there was a time when a historical drama starring Mel Gibson and Sean Penn (laughs) would have been just a huge event. It would have been a, you know, a huge opening weekend blockbuster. And this is just quietly sitting there on Netflix. It's a 2019 film, a biography and historical drama. It is directed by, um, well, his name, he has two names in IMDb's Farhad Safi. Safania, but he directs under the name P.B. Shemron, And he is best known, I believe, for writing the Mel Gibson film Apocalypto. I th- believe he was a writer or possibly even the creator of the show Boss on Stars uh, and a few other things. But those are his main credits. I think he is a G- Mel Gibson buddy. Uh, which would explain his presence starring in this movie in a very w- weird role for Mel Gibson, frankly. This is the story of uh, Mel Gibson plays James Murray, who is a historical figure. He's, he, you'll find him on Wikipedia. He's he also is... one of
2: the impractical jokers.
1: Oh, well, I'm sure that's a connection that will be made in the sequel. <laughs> yeah. um, he is a, a a a kind of a local academic in the uk is a professor who is called upon by uh big shot academics at oxford to be the editor curator and overall project uh, overseer of the first oxford english language dictionary and that's his side that's the professor side of the story Uh, and it's about his challenges in um, in putting this together, figuring out how to do the work to make the first comprehensive. The idea was to make a you know, as many volumes as it takes a dictionary of the entire English language. And he devises this. Nobody thinks it can be done. People are making fun of him. They make it seem like a much bigger and more dramatic deal than it probably was. But he comes up with a system where he puts out the call. By publishing pamphlets that everyone in the english speaking world from u k to Australia to the states is invited to contribute uh basically literature citations of every word in the English language. meanwhile, there's a crazy guy played by Sean Penn and he is a madman. He is Dr. William Chester Minor, who is also a historical figure who thought that he was being pursued by a man that he had wounded and hurt and branded and tortured in uh, the Civil War. He is an American. And he, in his manic episodes post-war, thinking that he's being constantly pursued by this man that he's wronged, he shoots an innocent man and kills him on his own doorstep and then is locked away in an insane asylum wherein he uh, learns about the project of the dictionary and becomes one of the major contributors to it. Uh, he he develops a relationship with the guards. Eddie Marzin, who you would recognize if you saw him, uh, plays the main guard and they become friends and they give him a library. I'm going way too much into detail about this plot. It is a incredibly boring story that tries to be heartwarming it tries to be intense it tries to be exciting it's mel gibson is playing a wordsmith an intellectual an academic who likes to spar with people verbally it's it's an it's a very very strange movie i was intrigued by it the entire time uh i couldn't stop watching it but i i can't say that i really enjoyed it in the in the long run as for the historic, historicity of it apparently these men did exist they did have this relationship there is an entire subplot involving the wife of the man that, that William Chester Minor murdered coming to become his friend and even a romantic interest of his and involved involved with her which i could not find any uh historical reference to i couldn't find any you know in a quick google search it didn't seem to be part of the real story anyway uh it's weird and if you're intrigued by it check it out Steve Coogan's in it I love Steve Coogan and um I don't know what can I tell you it's an oddity
2: yeah it seems to me like the most impressive piece of acting is that those two could be in a room together
1: yeah (laughs) and it's it isn't, there's a couple of scenes where Penn is, is somewhat lucid and they do, they kind of sit on a, on a bench at the insane asylum for visiting hours and they kind of spar and they play word games. And it's a very interesting pairing of actors, mm-hmm. but unfortunately because of the nature there's not much going on the the madman side of the story is bonkers and there's all it's also paper thin so for about half of the movie pen is just drooling and crying and he and mutilating himself and all sorts of crazy things are happening and uh, it's just i felt bad for him that he clearly he's getting like gagged like they're put they're putting him through old timey treatment basically I see. and and trying to make it as dramatic as possible and realistic as possible he's literally being like uh made to vomit on screen numerous times and it's just like all this for a movie that i barely found out existed it's very curious it's very strange
2: was it better than Minari or? No, it was not better no, than Minari. Oh, okay. No. Minari was better. Was worse than Minari. Than yes. the Professor and the Madman. Yes. So that's the ranking so far this week.
1: Yep. Yep. Let's see where it goes from here. Uh, oh, <laughs> cracking open a cold one.
2: I sure am. I need my Diet Coke
1: <laughs> to survive. I've got a ginger seltzer myself.
2: I'm, I'm trying to enjoy things yeah. more because hey this is an opportunity to talk to talk to a friend about a thing i love that's so, good time highlight I, mean, it's... I i don't have to sometimes i get a little nervous thinking that oh, i'm not really very prepared <laughs> i don't have anything right, to say yeah. i like when i watch listen to podcasts where like the people have like really prepared and like yeah. written it out and it's coherent and you know right. and then i and think about us. my my own performance of yeah. just like yeah After waddling out of a theater.
1: Yeah. Uh, I love movies and I love, I enjoy talking to you very much. So that's why I keep at it. I though always am nervous that I've completely forgotten (laughs) anything about the movies and I have the added, you know, uh, nuisance of having to produce the show, but uh, Hey, we're 76 episodes in and it's obviously fun enough to keep, to keep going. So,
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm going to
1: keep seeing movies. I think you are. So why not? Uh, check in.
2: So here is a movie, yeah, that I think is probably better than The Professor and the Madman. And Without
1: knowing what it is, I'm going to agree. Also,
2: way worse than M- Minari.
1: <laughs> I know what it is. Yes, go ahead.
2: <laughs> um, and it, it I've forgotten it already, though I did watch mm-hmm. it 24 hours ago. Oh, it's the United States versus Billie Holiday. Oh, okay. This is one of those. A Hulu original. Oh, boy. And I'm just like, no, it's not. Like, Mm -hmm. you bought it. Yeah. Like, if I bought the rights to Romeo and Juliet, (laughs) I don't get to call it, you know, a Hammer (laughs) original. It's not. I guess you could. I guess I could if I bought it. It's just ridiculous. Okay. So, I don't think that I need to drag this movie any more than has already been done online. I watched it. I did my best to stay attentive to it. Apart from the lead performance, Andrew Day plays Billie Holiday and she's wonderful. She does a wonderful job with the role. Um, the movie's a mess, though. The critiques that I read of it, I all agree with that there are jumps, narrative jumps through time. You don't know where you are, you don't know who some of the characters are. They begin and end with facts about lynching, which is serious and important stuff. And it does play into some of Holiday's trauma as they show in this movie, but it's not central to the story, but yet it's bookended and it's about her addiction. And you see a lot of addiction stuff throughout. You see a lot of her taking drugs. So is this about addiction? Not really. And then we hear about her music and we have these long sequences where she's performing and just nobody wants her to sing this song, Strange Fruit, that is about, excuse me, of course, the legacy of lynching in the Deep South. And she was effectively silenced, according to this movie. And they used her drug addiction against her because if they can keep arresting her for her drug use and put her in prison, then she won't be able to sing Strange Fruit. Seems to be the the main mm. the main interest yeah. of the of the FBI or whatever this entity is that's oppressing her.
1: Which is a song about lynching, correct? Yes,
2: mm. it's a song about lynching. And so, really, what is this movie about? Does it want to be about lynching? Does it want to be about her addiction? Is it a biopic? It sure doesn't make sense. There is a significant relationship depicted. Um, where she is with this guy, Jimmy Fletcher, played by Trevante Rhodes, that I understand is completely fabricated. So some people were critical of that, that he's a real character, but this idea that he was a romantic partner that somehow fed her addiction and yet also kept selling her out to the feds is, is made up. And so that's annoying. Yeah. We also have Natasha Lyonne, blink and you'll miss her, as Tulula Bankhead. If we remember her in Ad Astra, oh yeah, that's yeah. about the that's about the <laughs> length and impact of this role. <laughs> it was nice to see uh, Divine Joy Randolph as a, a kind of one of Billie Holiday's entourage, um, named Roslyn. And everything about the craft of the movie is good. And again, the central performance is really good. And the rest of the movie just makes no sense and hmm. fell flat for me.
1: Curious. I noticed that, and I was intrigued, and then of course, I saw the reviews and thought, "Oh, I might still be intrigued, but um
2: It's maybe worth it if you just kind of want to know what it's about for the <clears throat> year in film and to see her performance, but it's just it's a confusing, chaotic mess, um, yeah. narrative-wise.
1: I suppose it is not nothing that we're getting such a glut of, um, these historical perspective movies, um, you know, by people of color and people mm-hmm. from different immigrant groups or whatever, so that there's so many that there can be some that are great and some that are missed the mark and some in between. But, uh, yeah, it sounds, uh, like a miss, but an interesting one.
2: At mm-hmm. least. Yeah. And, uh, Andre Day won the Golden Globe. Oh, yeah. Kind of in a surprise. Um.
1: All right. So is that a recommendation, a timid one, or just uh, only people who are truly...
2: If you if you like to follow the film mirror, I think it's an mm-hmm. important thing to, to sit through, but it's not a good movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I suppose it's my turn to talk about uh, the other movie. I care a lot is a 2020 comedy crime thriller, Netflix film. I don't know about, I guess so comedy crime thriller. Well, okay. So this is a film that is uh, quite popular with uh, letterboxed letterboxd movie, Twitter types and uh, <laughs> the, the gays <laughs> and, and them as well. Uh, and The Me's, because I couldn't wait to see it, and I had a great time seeing it, although we're going to get into, I think, some of the frustrations that we have with this movie, this wildly entertaining movie. So this is, indeed, a some kind of a crime thriller, directed and written by Jay Blakeson, starring Rosamund Pike as Marla Grayson, who, now I, here's the thing, I I go in blind as often as I can with movies now. And so I did not know what was what I was getting into. And I felt like I was getting I'm already getting into my review before I Mm finished the description, but this is important. So I experienced the introduction of this character, Marla Grayson, who is like a professional caregiver, like a professional ward who is, uh, she kind of has a company that tracks old rich people. And as soon as they show the slightest hint of, of cognitive decline, she swoops in, has a judge declare them unfit to live on their own. She kind of seizes their assets and puts them into a a home and then cashes in their stuff essentially. So I, the way this movie just kind of throws you into that world and that concept and that it frankly, horrifying there's like a, a fun slickness to the movie but i just found this whole introduction of this concept to be just devastating and uh i was i, the, I kind of mistook it for being like a like a, a current events movie or like a you know an, an activist movie like a dark waters where we were going to see the expose of this industry and then you know someone was going to bring it down from the inside so now that the movie uh, i'll get to it in a moment goes in a completely different direction i'm wondering is this really a big thing is this only the kind of thing that happens in beverly hills is this like an actual industry that exists i don't know much about that do you
2: i don't really either i think that i mean obviously we're gonna get to this is more of a gangster racketeering story and almost revenge fantasy And so it needs to be set up like this. I think that there are predatory um, organizations and situations that people find themselves in all the time like Mm -hmm. this. What we're watching is a huge miscarriage of justice, and we hope that this isn't happening. But stuff like this, I do think, happens all the time. Maybe not about um, people coming under the care of some other person Mm -hmm. who just seizes their assets, Um, But people do lose their stuff and do get their freedom taken away from them. And our legal system perpetuates all kinds of horrible injustice at the hand of people who do not care and do not have people's best interests at heart. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like a movie like this kind of plays on our very rational, very real fear of getting caught up in a system that can just pull the rug out from under us. And there's no one to be our advocate.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, and so not to belabor the opening of this film, but I think you and I both had our, our frustrations, or at least our issues with this movie, had to do with the weight of that opening and of the concept and of the, the you know the 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 world this movie builds, and then what it asks us to do when it when the story proper begins. So uh, Marla Grayson is this professional ward character. Taker. Her her partner is uh, Fran, played by Isaac Gonzalez, and uh, her next big case, the next uh, the next you know fresh fish, is uh, an old lady named Jennifer Peterson, played by Diane Weist, who has magically no family connections, a very valuable estate, and has maybe some medical. Recent medical history that would indicate perhaps the onset of some kind of minor cognitive issues. And so uh, Marla and Fran swoop in, they do their thing, they deposit her in a nursing home, take her cell phone away, and they begin going through her stuff. They can't believe what they find with all the valuables and riches, and how they can't believe how lucky they were to score this. And of course, then we learn. This lady is not who she she said she was. She was assuming someone else's identity and she is connected to a, uh, is it Russian or some kind of Eastern European mob family? The head of which is, uh, played by Peter Dinklage as Roman Lunyov. And, uh, yes. So now it is Rosamund Pike versus the mob, the Russian mob, because she messed with the wrong people and they send lawyers to threaten. Chris Messina is always memorable. Uh, and, and it becomes a kind of a cat and mouse between her and the gangsters for the, you know, the freedom of Jennifer and the, uh, the possessions of Jennifer Peterson. And it just escalates like crazy and goes to some pretty lunatic places. It's very entertaining. It goes to like it, it it's white knuckle sometimes. The issue I had was that I felt like I was being asked to root for even root for Rosamund Pike. Even as an anti hero. And I felt like she was, she's too heinous of a character and a human being to even be an anti hero. So the fact that she continually persists and persists and wins in what should be triumphant and thrilling ways was consistently lost on me because I was. Sickened by her, and I, and then you know the movie comes back around. I guess we usually do get into spoilers, but I won't get into specific spoilers. I felt like the movie wanted to have its cake and eat it too with the way it ended, but I don't know. Were you as conflicted as I was during the middle runtime of the movie?
2: No, I wasn't. I (laughs) I enjoyed this thoroughly. I didn't feel a strong visceral negative reaction to Marla Grayson. I saw her as heightened reality and kind of camp fabulousness in how awful she is and there is kind of that gut punch that i hated to see what she was doing to people particularly to diane Weist's character but then when the movie gives the turnabout and you realize what kind of a thing this is this isn't just going to be this helpless person caught up in a system and this awful person who's in charge, not just like a torture movie, basically, mm-hmm. but that there's a whole other series of events here and that there are powers to help her. I enjoyed watching Marla start to get hers. I I enjoyed that. I, and if that had been the movie, I think I would have enjoyed it more, where we're set up to really hate her for the first half and then the tables turn in the second half and we watch it move mm-hmm. to a... a Fabulous tragic conclusion. Um, it was more complex than that. I did not like when she ultimately got the upper hand right near the end. I I did not like that compromise. That was very like dirty rotten scoundrels to me, and and unfit. I, I was really hoping that things would go worse. And then the, the screenplay does offer us, you know, one tiny satisfaction um, in in the end. Mm. At, at the same time, and it really that she got kept getting away with it no matter what it was that's maybe more truthful to our yeah. twisted system oh, because right. people do keep on winning mm-hmm. they do keep on being famous and interviewed on television and they're terrible mm-hmm. that that is that is realistic and we don't like to look at that we it's more satisfying the fantasy that that those that those folks would really get theirs cuz there's some catharsis in that and you you get just a bit of that Um, not as satisfying as it might've been. However, I think the movie is well made. I like the screenplay. I like the actors. Pike is great as always. I like seeing Dinklage. Um, Diane Weiss, just that one scene in the hospital where she realizes that Marla has begun to get a taste of what she's up against. I just loved it. I, I was, I was all in and, and really enjoying the movie at that point.
1: Yeah, I wanted a little more from Wee Steven. I wanted mm-hmm. her to be in the story a little more. But when yeah. she's there, she's yeah, it's great a great uh match actually her mm-hmm. and Pike. Yeah, I I suppose you're right. And and it is, you know, it's certainly playing with it is a very, definitely an, e- an ethos movie, a movie of of the times. And uh I think it's simply because it's like I think because I go in blind to movies, I like that I don't have a preconceived idea but I also get confused <laughs> during move. I get emotionally mm-hmm. confused when I'm experiencing a movie. And I usually, uh, if I, if it's worth my time to go back and watch again, that's usually when I develop more uh, solidified thoughts about it. But um, this is definitely entertaining. And if it looks at all interesting, it's right there on Netflix. Uh, I thought it was good. I like uh, the actor Macon Blair, who has his little small part bookends the movie. He's the mm-hmm. the, the yeah. guy, you know, in the courtroom. Uh, he, he is the star of a movie called Blue Ruin, which I may also be on Netflix. It's somewhere, which I highly recommend a very good little indie thriller. Um, anyway, yeah. Check this one out. Is that uh, I think I'll take us out with a little quickie about uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Unless you've sure. got something else.
2: Well, did, did you watch WandaVision?
1: I did. I actually meant to ask you about that. I saw that you shared a TikTok. Was
2: a I did. to it. I was did. Watching. I got I got memed into uh actually watching it. <laughs> oh wow. Cuz I wanted to know and, what everybody was talking about.
1: <clears throat> mhm. So and that's interesting because I would imagine that you have little or no Marvel anything going into it.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: So that must have it must have gotten increasingly frustrating then. <laughs> I mean because it was for me, and I'm a Marvel, I don't know if I'm a fan, but I'm with it. I've seen all the Marvel stuff, and I, think, I actually have a probably a contrarian opinion about this show, although I generally liked it.
2: I think that my not knowing was probably a help, mm-hmm. because I could accept what I was seeing on its own terms and understand that there was something that would be entering the picture that I would have no idea about, and I would probably have to pay some close attention to make any sense of it. Mm-hmm. And in a way i think it would have been better had it not been a part of that um mm-hmm, universe mm-hmm. i would have liked a story like this yeah. that that didn't depend so highly on it but hey that's not what this was this was right this thing so yeah for what it was i enjoyed it and i really i liked the way they i liked their take on the sitcoms from the different decades particularly mm-hmm. the most contemporary ones like malcolm in the middle right. and modern family yeah. and that was, i thought that was really really um deft and of course Catherine Hahn, she's just my my, yeah. my fave yeah. MVP.
1: For sure. I think as a Marvel person, I I could I would actually chop off the finale. Hmm. I liked the revelation of Agatha and that whole second to last episode better than the finale, which ended up just being laser fights and 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 I think that the finale was really difficult because how do you just kinda pave over the heinous things that um, Wanda did
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just kind of walk away from those people that she was essentially torturing for so long. Uh I don't it's hard to know what to do with it cuz she's one of the heroes. She's one of the Avengers, you know. She's uh Wanda, she's now Scarlet Witch, but so she's a hero, but she did uh-huh. these awful things and I imagine that being Marvel, they like to play with with nuanced stuff like that. So that'll probably go with her into the next stories, but uh, I don't know. I was more interested in the in when it was kind of a smaller story, and when Agatha turned out to be the the uh, antagonist.
2: Well, I th- yeah, and I guess Agatha wasn't a character before.
1: Apparently not. Yeah. Yeah
2: that that was kind of I thought oh is this to be a reveal? But wouldn't they have known if she was there all along, right. as the song mm-hmm. tells us? I and yeah, Wanda is the villain, and <laughs> so I didn't want her to win. I kind of liked when Agatha looked like she was gonna decimate her i was kind of happy that mm-hmm. that happened right and then it didn't happen and it was just like oh that's just like the world like right that the witch never wins <laughs> right
1: i was i mean again t- it's a very entertaining show and i thought it was at its best when it was playing with the tv formats and all that mm-hmm. and and it was del- it was delicious in terms of the performances once uh, agatha came into her own as a character but again uh, i always because these things are so plotty, I can't help but kind of pick at the plots. And it's like, well, wait, so mm-hmm. Agatha is the vi- is is the antagonist, if not the villain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then she kind of spends an episode being the ghost of Christmas past. And she's right. trying to sh- teach Wanda something. But right. then she's fighting her. Well, I don't understand why she was there. What was happening? was she was she there to help her become the scarlet witch but the scarlet witch seems like a bad thing sometimes i it seemed really confused
2: it's like she was trying to understand for herself how this could have happened Mm -hmm. and and i don't know because if it was her doing all the magic actually not wanda well then what power does wanda even have
1: Mm -hmm. right and as a character you know she's uh, uh, her history is that she was one of a pair of twins. Her her brother, her fake brother showed up in this one, but he was killed right. in the one of the Marvel movies, Age of Ultron. And they basically had like, he's really fast and she has telekinesis. So she can like move something across the room. She can create force mm-hmm. fields. And I guess, I don't know if, it's it's still ambiguous whether she's an actual witch or whether a witch is just, you know, the witch is jealous of her powers Right. I don't know. And does she get, did she absorb witch powers from Agatha? I, I I do not know. Yeah, uh, Yeah.
2: I wasn't sure about that. I didn't feel for Wanda. I didn't root for her.
1: Have you seen any Marvel movies? No. Okay. One that I thought, I don't know why, but that you might have seen would be Captain Marvel and, uh, what's her name? Rambo, Monica Rambo, the character who's trying to infiltrate, um, wanda's little fake world she was just a teenage girl in that movie which takes place in the 90s and mm-hmm. there's some interesting you know they always do this in marvel because it's a universe but uh jimmy woo the randall park character he's from uh what was he from <laughs> uh oh ant-man i think he's in the ant-man movies and then cat dennings as um darcy she's from the thor movies
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it's trivia it's true So, yeah, uh, that's that's fun. I'm glad that you enjoyed watching that. I mean, that took me
2: like a day. Those episodes Mm -hmm. are so short.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. All right. Well, let me just quickly dash this off. Then Raya and the Last Dragon is uh, the new Disney animated film. It's a 2021 animation action adventure motion picture from Disney directed by Don Hall, Carlos Lopez Estrada. Uh, and two more, Paul, Paul Briggs and John Rippa. It was written by uh, Kui Wen and Adele Lim, and a whole bunch of story credits because it is an animated film. And it stars Kelly Marie Tran as the voice of Raya and Aquafina as the voice of Sisu, the last dragon. This is an interesting movie, Dan, as as an animated movie, as a, a Disney property. It is Sort of. I mean, it certainly is playing with, I think, uh, Pacific Asian cultural uh, touch points, but none particularly specific to the point where it actually takes place in an alternate world, another planet, because I think that if they had committed to one, you know, subculture of uh, Pacific Asian, then they would have, I think they just wanted it to be a little more generic. So I, I feel like that's a weird... The choice that kind of weighs on the film a bit but they, they need to have their creatures and their dragons thing things too so uh but this is a curious and singular kind of animated movie in that especially for disney in that it has no songs it has no love interest it is primarily an action movie a fantasy movie and it, for what it is i thought it was very entertaining and fun it's uh, inventive and funny it has definite crazy plot problems in the last act like every single animated movie ever and uh the thing that bothered me the most is that every character talks like a totally online snarky you know uh, 17 year old that gets grating after a while and weird that every single person talks like this but i guess that's just what we have to bear um from our mass entertainments from disney uh still Funny, interesting, weird, very different. If you like animated films and you keep up with stuff like this, this one is a real. uh It's a real different experience. Real winner. Yeah, sure. Recommended.
2: So, is it better than Minari? It is not better <laughs> than
1: Minari. I don't think we capped it. Although you, uh, I don't know, you have to tell us if if I care a lot tops Minari.
2: No, it sure doesn't. Right. But um, I Undefeated. care a lot would be my second. But it sounds like this dragon thing maybe you, you like better.
1: Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah i I really liked I Care a lot. It just f- frustrated me, and maybe I just need to let that go because it's a it's a solid, entertaining movie. And so is this. Uh, it's good. It's better than the Professor and the Madman. If I, is that, if that the, is clear.
2: that the worst one? Maybe.
1: Yeah, I think that's my my stinker of the week. Even okay. though it's not a stinker, it's just
2: contextually.
1: Yeah. It's not good relative to the others. A misfire, but I found it a fascinating one. Uh, Probably a boring one for most people, though. All right, Dan, that's all I got.
2: Great, that's it. We did it. I'm done. Yeah, I'm going to uh, the Father on Friday.
1: Oh, okay. I don't. The listings are not up for yet for AMC around here. So if I can, I'll do that one as well.
2: Yeah, I already Um, already reserved my ticket. Nice with my Cinemark Club.
1: Oh, you. You and your club, yep. your club that would have you as a member.
2: I know. I think I'm the only one though, because <laughs> no one else is there. Uh,
1: the Disney movie was the most, it was the biggest kind of, it was, I'm trying to say, it was the biggest uh, issue I've had going back to the movies. There were five or six other people in the theater, which is the mm. most I've seen. I'm usually the only or one of two people, but uh, I, we were distanced enough that I felt okay and I just it sure. out. I was the first one out. Anyway, uh, the, our, my, uh, ah, my goodness, mush mouth. I'm out of words. So that's why my body's like, no, no more words. But our schools, Pearl River School District just announced back to in full in school learning April 19th. Wow. Yeah. Are the teachers
2: vaccinated?
1: Most of them. Shireen's, uh, f- second shot is on Wednesday. Nice. I think most of them are d- are getting that around now. So
2: yeah. Yeah. They just changed it here that teachers can be vaccinated which to me is such a big piece of the puzzle of getting people behind the idea right, of going right. back
1: yes sure
2: i believe i am last on the list
1: yeah i don't know when i'll be um although some people say that they're not you know they're not eligible and then one day they just hear that it's at right aid and anybody right. can go walk in and get it so i'm expecting that eventually
2: yeah otherwise healthy 40-year-old misanthropes are not at <laughs> sure. the top of the list yeah
1: not for this, anyway.
2: Nope.
1: For something, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, it's not turned out to be. <laughs> not at the top of any list.
1: Well, you're at the top of the podcast charts. Yes! Uh, the ones that I just created and doodled on The top of the bottom. Posted note right now. Yeah. <laughs> We're at the top of the very, very bottom.
2: Record listenership <laughs> this week.
1: Uh Yes. Uh, And thank you for listening, everybody. This has been our podcast. We're Dan and Josh. You can follow us both on uh, Twitter. And the show is sometimes on Twitter. And I'm sometimes on Letterboxd. I don't know, Dan, are you? Is that a thing for you anymore?
2: Nah. (laughs) Okay.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Our music is by Jonah Rapino. We'll be back to talk about some more movies at some point. Thanks. Bye. uh okay i guess we're go i'm still not used to this new interface
2: my webcam is still on
1: oh i can't see you
2: i but... know my my things. you oh, know the light off but the light is still on yeah mine too they're still watching me
1: that's how they get you yeah big brother is, i'm gonna uh... be on
2: my best behavior <laughs>